Welcome to a special, a special episode of In My Own Words. Some of us are still dreaming that American dream. Oh Kanye, oh Kanye. How she found out she dreamt the whole thing out. Y'all be going through problems, you gotta work the kicks out. When you go to sleep with It's interesting, man. It's hard to have the same American dream when you live in a completely different America. I ain't talking geography. Let me let me let Kanye finish though. I'ma let you finish, Kanye, but I ain't talking geography. Nightmares from your dream, gal, make you scream out. One, 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 two, one, two. Some dreams they dream, some dreams come true. One, 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 two, one, two. Some dreams they dream, some dreams come true. Man, welcome to episode 59. I could let that play forever. That's one of my favorite Nas songs. Um, some dreams they dream, some dreams come true. Listen, if you've been sleep under a rock. Even you know <laughs> that terrorists, domestic terrorists, traitors, uh, and Trump supporters stormed the Capitol building yesterday. And in full transparency, I recorded an episode yesterday, and my plan was to put it out on uh, Thursday. I recorded it on Wednesday. I was planning to put it out on Thursday, Thursday morning. Immediately after I got done recording is when the Trump rally was ending and um, they were going to what we know now is to to rush. And I use that term loosely, the Capitol building. I use that term loosely because mostly they were led into the Capitol building. <laughs> I don't think you just charge. You saw the, the raid on Area 51. I don't think you just charge a government building especially in DC. Um you know, and I've seen I've seen video evidence of people just being let in. Um but it brought up a bunch of different emotions, it brought up a bunch of different conversations, and the tone of yesterday's episode, the, the episode I recorded yesterday was not the tone that I wanted to be my next offering to the world, so to speak. So for those of you who listen to this podcast, I think you probably also follow me on social media. Even if you're new, you probably know where I stand on some of these things, right? And if you're if you're brand new, maybe you don't, but we'll get to know each other over this episode and a couple of other episodes. And this is not a political deep dive. This is not a, a politics shaming segment of the show. Uh, this is a relationship segment of the show. And we need to talk about Toxic patriotism. It's a topic that I don't think we talk about enough. There's a couple toxic conversations that we don't talk about as a society enough. And some of them I understand why. I understand why uh, maybe that toxic nature exists, but there's other toxicity on top of that that's bigger, that's contributing to that toxic nature. 
Um, that's me speaking to something without speaking about something. So I understand why some of those we ignore. But this one, this one is interesting. And there's a bunch of different angles to take, right? There's the angle where we can talk about the root of patriotism and why it was important in the early days of America to be patriotic, to separate from the old world and establish this new world. Uh, so patriotism is, is a made up construct anyway. It's a made up thing. It was a marketing ploy to uh, and, a, and a tactic for war. But we also need to talk about the people who have patriotism as their religion. Like that American flag is their their God or their symbol of God. Some people hold the American flag and the Bible at the same level. Take from that what you will. But there are some people that say or that act as if the Bible and the American flag and the Constitution are on the same or equal footing. Or if if it's not on equal footing, it's just a hair below the Bible. The U.S. Constitution is a hair below the Bible. And I made the comment other day, the other day privately, uh, and I'll share it publicly. I don't have American pride. It's hard for me to be proud of my abuser. I don't have American pride. It's hard to be very, very proud of an American. I've never heard a woman who was being physically beat or abused or emotionally abused, psychologically abused, financially abused, just go on in a glowing, honest fashion about how proud they are of their abusers. I just haven't seen it. And now I know when you hear that, you say, well, if you're not proud to be an American, go live somewhere else. Go da, 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 da. I get it, right? Cool. And I've seen even some of my people say, man, we need to go live here and go live there and da, 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 da. But on paper, in some places, I have as much of a right to be here as anyone else. You know, I don't have American pride, but I am an American. And there's a lot of traps when it comes to politics, right? There's a lot of if this, then that. <laughs> if you believe this way, then you must be that. Or if you say that thing, then you must be this, right? Not having American pride, does that mean that I don't support the military? No, it doesn't mean that. Does it mean that I don't support the Constitution? No, it doesn't mean that. Does it mean that I don't vote or take part of an, our, our democracy? No, it doesn't mean any of those things. It means that I'm just not completely proud of America. That's it. <laughs> That's it. It just means that my my pride and my value, they lie within different principles of my life. And when I go through the hierarchy of my priorities and my principles and my morals, shady America's kind of low. I don't even know if it makes the list. <laughs> That doesn't mean that it's not a great country or it can't be a great country. That doesn't mean that in theory we have things going for us really, really well. But in practicality, uh, America hasn't been too favorable to black people and brown people and women. Opinions are opinions, but facts are facts. Those are the facts. But there's another set of people 
who even the 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 sound of those words coming off my black lips pisses them off. Now I'm ungrateful. Now I don't belong here. Right? And if you're listening to this or watching this on YouTube and you feel that way, keep listening. I got something for you. What we saw in the Capitol building yesterday, what we saw with the protests, the Black Lives Matter protests, uh, with the surrounding the George Floyd situation and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and Jacob Blake, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on. What we are seeing is not the problem. What we are seeing are representatives of a problem. Most of you know that I've been married for going on 12 years. It'll be 12 years next month in February. And not only do I love my marriage and my wife, um, you know, she's not perfect. I'm not perfect. Our relationship definitely isn't perfect. We've had trouble. We've had things that uh, I'm not proud of have things that make me feel shame, have things that looking back on it, like, man, I can't believe we were there. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did X, Y, and Z. I can't believe she would say that. And We've been through all those things, right? And the key phrase in that sentence is we've been through those things. Now, what does it mean to go through something? To go through something could mean you just had the experience. And a part of that experience was being at the right location. A part of that experience was having the emotions attached to it. A part of that experience was the role that you played, you know, the actions that you took or the words that you said or, um, you know, the that, that thing that you did or didn't do to contribute to whatever pain that was caused. But the biggest part of going through something should be what you learned from it and and how you fixed it to make it better on the other side. One thing about relationships, there's always going to be conflict. There's always going to be friction. The good thing about that is where there's friction, there's growth. The bad thing about that is you're going to grow. It's up to you whether you grow closer together or further apart. And that's why I believe you see a lot of divorce, right? Because that friction occurs and we don't believe that friction should occur. We don't believe that we should feel this pain from people who are supposed to love us, who on paper in oath decided till death do us part in sickness and health for better or worse. In paper and in oath, we, you know, we said before witnesses that we were going to do this thing and wrap this to the wheels fall off. But we didn't know the hurt and the pain that we were going to cause each other. And we didn't know that friction that was going to occur. And so divorce is growth happening because we're growing further apart. Right. And that's kind of the, the last straw. There's been growth happening the entire time and you just get further and further apart. These you allow these these circumstances and situations to to devise a wedge in between you and your spouse. Or you stay together and longevity happens in a relationship because you grow closer together after tragedy. 
Here's the problem with our relationship with America. We're in a relationship, one that has been abusive, one that hasn't been fair, one that has dark times that we should all be ashamed of, one that has activities and experiences that we should not and cannot be proud of. And we decided, and I'm saying a collective we, we decided not to deal with those issues. Not fully, not directly, not head on. Little things pop up every now and then and we deal with the symptom of the issue without ever getting to the issue. No, 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 we have the Civil Rights Act and we have the Voting Rights Act. Yo, those are symptoms. That was, that was the system saying, hey, there's an underlying issue and because this underlying issue exists, black people can't vote. And so, you know, we marched, people died, people bled, passed the Voting Rights Act. You guys could vote now. It's over. No. That was just a symptom. <laughs> and I have this conversation with my wife all the time. We have this dialogue back and forth because when we communicate, sometimes it feels like we're missing each other. Because most times she's talking about she's talking to me about what just happened. But I don't hear that. I hear the root issue. So now here I go talking about this, this, and that. And in her mind, she's like, are you not listening to me? Hello? <laughs> are you not listening to me? I'm talking about this issue and you keep jumping around. And I, I'm saying, I know you're talking about that issue, babe, but that's a symptom of the real issue. Here's the real issue. Well, you know, we fixed it. Women, women have the right to vote now. You're free. Mm. That's a symptom. That's a symptom of the bigger issue. Slavery ended 400 years ago, and you guys are still talking about it. Why don't you get over it? Because all we've done was treat the symptoms and not the actual issue. And in any relationship, when you ignore or neglect to resolve the actual issues, they just get bigger and bigger and they come back stronger and meaner and nastier to eventually they implode to eventually they implode now do i think that implosion took place yesterday at the capitol building no that's just another little bubble up of what could potentially happen that's just another little symptom popping up Holding on, trying not to let go. You hear a lot of rhetoric of people saying, we're going to lose America. We're going to lose America. I tell you what, I'm 33. I'm glad I lost a 22-year-old me. That guy's gone. I joked with my kids the other day. We were, we were riding past a, a funeral home. And on one side, there's a funeral home. And on the other side, it's an event center, but it's owned by the same company. And in that event center is where we had our wedding reception. So I always, you know, all my life I got in trouble for making jokes when it wasn't the right time, which why I love comedy now, because I can just make the joke. Um, so while we're riding, we're talking about that. And I said, yeah, we got married at a funeral home 
because our wedding day was my death day. I died that day and a new me was reborn. And I always make that joke, right? I always say the guys that show up to your wedding, you think they're, you know, the groomsmen and your best man, but that, that's really your pallbearers burying the old you, waving goodbye because they know they're never going to see you again. And that, that beautiful white light that's coming from the back of the church walking to the aisle towards you, that's your angel. <laughs> She's coming to escort you to your new life. I always make that joke. And so we're riding past the funeral home in the cemetery and we see that event space and I make the joke and I say, you know, I died that day and a new me was reborn. And my wife says, not immediately, which is a great tag to a joke. <laughs> And from a comedic perspective, the timing was perfect. She's like, you didn't die immediately. And she's right. There was a struggle period. And it still is, you know, still, I'm still dying to the old me and, and my old ways and living for myself and being selfish uh, every day. But most of it is gone. But I had to allow the old me to die. So this new me, the new me that I had the idea of on our wedding day. The new me that I promised my wife I would be on our wedding day, forsake all others, you know, put you first, not my mom, not my brothers, not my dad, you know, not my sister. I'm going to do this and love and cherish and honor and obey, right? All these things, right? All the things that I promised from day one, there was a process to make it happen. And that process, that dying process was at times very ugly. That dying process was at times very uh, painful for both of us. We both, we both had some dying to do, right? But we never stopped the process. We had to continue to go through those rough moments, through those painful moments, through those hurtful moments to get to a place of peace, to get to a place of reconciliation where we can say, hey, we've done all these things and we went through this dying process but we went through it together. We're going to stay together. And in staying together, we're going to make sure that we learn from these, this process and we take those new, acknowledge the wrong that we've done, take accountability for the wrong that we've done, excuse me, and then go into our new future together, promising to never go back to those things. That's what America needs to do. That's what America needs to do. That's why that's why we're not leaving to just go pick up and go somewhere else. All the issues and the evils of America want us to just get a divorce and go home. Get a divorce and move, move back in with our parents. Go back to Africa. They, they want us to get a divorce and move back in with our parents. I heard someone uh, say this before and I always joke with Michelle about it. Uh, Michelle tries to leave me. She packs up a bag and says she's leaving. I'm packing up a bag saying I'm leaving too. Where are we going? Right? We are married to America. We're here now. We are the, the kids and the grandkids and the great, great grandkids of those of us that were married to America. Whether it was an arranged marriage or whatever, we're married to America. We're in here now. So we are going to fight to make this relationship the best that it could possibly be. But if we never acknowledge the hurt that we have caused, the hurt that white America in those days have caused, and the benefit of that hurt that some of you still take advantage of today, if we never acknowledge those things, 
and don't come back with a direct action to fix those things. Not some vague, I'm sorry. You ever you ever have a, a tiff with your girl or with your husband and you try to give a vague, I'm sorry? I'm sorry, babe. I just, you know, I, I need to be better. Sorry for what? Oh, uh, you know, you know, for, for, for the thing. What was the thing? Like, like she wants you to say it. Like, open your mouth and say it. <laughs> open your mouth and say the words. Say it. You know what I mean? And this is not a cry for, uh, you know, reparations. Oh, we need a check. We need a... No, no, no. I, I, I wouldn't be mad at a check. Because that's a part of the problem, too. But you know what a check is going to do? A check is just going to fix another symptom of the problem. Right? We had the denazification of Germany where we had to erase this hatred and the system that supports this hatred. We had to erase it and start over. I'm not saying blow up the Constitution. I am saying hold people accountable to the promises in the Constitution. And I am saying that we have to deal with the current and the undercurrent. We have to deal with with the current of of racism and bigotry but we have to deal with the undercurrent, which is the the actual system that supports it, which is way stronger than the actual racism and hatred. You could be racist and hatred, all, hatred and, and bigoted all you want, right? But if there's not a system that rewards those things, if there's not a system that amplifies those things, if there's not a system that says, hey, if you do those things, you're going to be just fine. If that system doesn't exist, then how powerful is the hatred? You can hate me all you want from your house. When you come and try to take that hatred to my house, now we have a problem because now you've been emboldened. You've been empowered to step on my property and exercise your hate directly against me. So there has to be a consequence for that. We cannot have a system that will support the hatred and the racism and the bigotry that people are spewing so when i see images of the traitors and the terrorists that stormed the capitol building that whether they walked through the doors and just walked on in or they broke windows out and climbed in when i see video of the police taking selfies with them the people that are supposed to be upholding our laws that that are laid out in our constitution that support our democracy when I see them helping them down the steps, when I see the same police forces and the same governing bodies that were using, in my opinion, excessive force against Black Lives Matter protesters and other protesters who were extremely upset about the situation of George Floyd, the murdering of George Floyd, let me be clear. When I see them and how they arrested people, detained people, shot people down, maced people, tear gassed people. When I see that, and then I see the response to what happened on the Capitol building, that lets me know that you're allowing certain things. And this phrase has been passed around a lot. I thought about it immediately yesterday, and people have said it different ways. Equality is what we're after, not revenge. So that doesn't mean that, hey, in the summer, you were killing black people, so go kill these white people. 
No, that's not what that means. That means you see how you're being kind to them. You see how there's a level of empathy and understanding. Like, hey, I understand you guys are mad. This is just not the way to do that. You see how you're helping that lady down the steps from the Capitol building after she's broke the law. She's a criminal. You see how you're being kind to uh, all the people that were uh, in the Capitol building, breaking the law, bringing them on your news networks, interviewing them, but the police can't find them. The FBI can't find them, but CNN and Fox can. You see how that's happening? You see how you're being very kind to them? Why don't you do that to us? Don't answer that. I know why. Because for some reason, you've been programmed to think that my skin is an inherent threat. We saw this in the summer. We saw black people getting stopped unarmed at a protest while a 17-year-old kid from a different state ran with an assault rifle and was not stopped, ran right by the police. We've seen that, right? So there's a problem there. There's a systemic problem there. But if we never kill the system that supports this hatred, we're never going to come to a resolution on how to deal with the hatred. We're going to keep on plucking at the symptoms, plucking at the system. We're beating racism one by one and one by... But we're not, though. We're not, though. That's why I don't get mad when people say, well... It doesn't matter if it's 1821, 1921, or 2021. It's all the same. I don't get mad at that. People get mad and say, well, you if this was 1821, you would have been a slave, and you would have da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, some symptoms of the problem would have been different. And symptoms, symptoms can be deadly. <laughs> but the problem still exists, and we haven't resolved the problem. When I watch the news, which is a rare occasion, I like to be well-rounded in my approach as much as I can be. That means if I'm going to dedicate an hour to watching the news or whatever it is, or if it's election night and we're endlessly, you know, falling asleep and waking up looking at the election results or something like happens, you know, horrible like 9-11 or the uh, domestic acts at the Capitol building. I'm never going to watch just one news station. I'm not going to watch two news stations. I'm going to look at them all. I'm going to look at CNN and MSNBC and Fox and C-SPAN and ABC. And I'm going to read the New York Times and I'm going to read the Washington Post. And I'm going to read, you know, I'm going to try to check out as many sources as I can because I'm only interested in the facts first, but I'm also interested in how you're going to cover the facts. And when I watch, uh, let's take CNN and Fox, for example, um, it's painful to watch either. Because of what they do to the facts. Now, do I feel um, the the tactics around the facts? Some are more egregious than others. Absolutely. When I see uh, the facts of a situation and it being covered on CNN, it's like, oh, mm, well, that's kind of true. I know what you're doing right now. <laughs> I, I know what you're doing. I saw that video, too. I heard that speech, too. I watched that rally, too. I saw that press conference, too. I saw the same video that you just showed. I know what you're doing. And I don't like that you're going about it that way. What I saw on Fox News yesterday was very, very interesting, to say the least. What I saw was essentially this. They somehow... Uh, let me back up. There, there was a young lady who was a uh, 
I believe a Air Force veteran. And I apologize if I'm getting this wrong. I don't I don't have her name. She was shot and then eventually died uh, while while she was at the Capitol building. And there was a video floating around, multiple videos floating around. But one video in particular, a guy who was there uh, rioting with her, recorded her getting shot and then tried to help her. And they found him and put him on Fox News along with his video. What was interesting about the interview was the interview was more about Antifa. And the next segment after was about Antifa and about CNN. And little to no mention of President Trump, Trump protesters, or any of the domestic terrorists that were there. You're interviewing one of the terrorists, by the way. You you found him, credited him in the video, and then the FBI says, hey, can you help us identify those guys? Yeah, yeah. Hello, FBI. Yeah, I'm watching Fox News. They have, they have one of the terrorists that you need to be detaining and arresting. Hello? What was interesting about his interview is he says, I've been to all these protests. I was in Portland. I was here. I was there. Sounds like wherever he goes, some, some stuff pops off that's really, really bad. I've been to all these protests. I saw people today walking around with ropes. That's not a Trump protester type of thing. We don't do that. That's an Antifa tactic. And the news anchor, whoever she was, ate that up. They spent the next five minutes talking about how, although they stated multiple times, we don't have any proof of of being Antifa. We do have one guy who said he saw at least two Antifa. So let's just say you're right. <laughs> Let, let's just say for play play, you're right. You have 3,000 people here or 2,000 people here or 1,000 people here. And two of them were Antifa. I guess those were the two that, that started and, and route up everything. And here's the thing. This is the part where I always get in trouble in the group chat with the fellas, right? We're in the group chat and I care about nuance. I care about finding the truth. And normally the truth lies in some form of nuance. But what that allows me to do is look deeper into things and be objective and try to look at things from multiple angles. The bad part of uh, what that does to me is that it allows me to be objective in an extreme world. So in an extreme world, you're not allowed to be objective. You're not allowed to see nuance. You either have to do this part or this part. And if you're anywhere in between, you're a bad person. So as I'm saying this, you know, and, and just like in the group chat, it always makes me defend people that I, won't, I, I, I wouldn't ordinarily offend. I'm not a part of Antifa. I'm not a, an Antifa supporter. I, <laughs> this is not a pro uh, Antifa speech or rant or whatever you would like to call it. It's none of those things. But it's very interesting to me that, again, instead of talking about the actual issue, that these people came from a Trump rally, were wearing MAGA gear and were Trump supporters and were seen on video, including the guy that you're interviewing, breaking the law. Trying to interrupt the counts of the electoral votes to certify a duly elected president and a president elect. And all you can talk about is Antifa. So you know what their viewers that aren't well-rounded, that aren't watching in multiple news sources, that aren't sniffing the bullcrap, 
you know what they walk away with? That wasn't Trump supporters. They would never do that. That was Antifa. That was these freaking Antifa people. That's all they walked away with because that's what you fed to them. And that's a problem. Because all you're doing is further dividing people. And then after they transitioned from talking about Antifa and not talking about Trump, they they actually said something specifically that Trump said without crediting it to Trump. She says, like, I got to be clear. Anybody who tells you that the vice president, Joe Biden, has the the vice president, I'm sorry, Mike Pence, has the ability to overturn this election and send it back to the states. They're, they're not being honest with you. So what you're saying is the president of the United States is lying and spewing lies. That's what you're saying. You're you're not saying it, but you're, you're saying it. And people at home are like, yeah, yeah, you're right. They're lying. You ask those same people, does President Trump lie? No, he doesn't lie. He's not a liar. Well, you just you just said he lied, but you didn't credit the lie to him. Right? So you're protecting your king. I get it. But then they go on the next five minutes. Uh, they spend their airtime, their valuable, precious airtime, uh, bashing and clipping up clips from CNN, showing how uh, cherry-picking moments where they felt like CNN wasn't being fair and uh, all these moments, <laughs> they were talking about the Black Lives Matter protests while showing video of the Trump protesters climbing the walls and rushing the Capitol. But they're talking about BLM. I'm sure there were some viewers like, oh, man, these freaking Black Lives Matter people. are, <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> right. It's just deceitful. So I wanted to come here in a special episode. Uh, I know this is not the typical type of episode that we do. I know that, uh, you know, we're, we're used to more jokes in the segments, and we'll get back to that. And uh, But I, I had to re-record this. And, and I want to say that some of the other things that I recorded yesterday, I'll still put them up on my YouTube page. I'll still put up segments. You know, I did my uh, NFL playoffs picks, so I, I still want to get that out. Um, I, I talked about, what did I talk about? I talked about the... Uh, reboot to Saved by the Bell. That was pretty fun. So I, I still want to put that out. But I had to get this out to you as quickly as possible. I had to get it off my chest. But I had to try my best to shift the conversation a little bit to and, and bring it into a place that we're all familiar with or, or should be, right? We're not all married for over a decade, but we, we all have relationships that last for uh, uh, a certain length of time. And you all know that in any relationship, if you have unresolved issues, unresolved problems, those problems don't go away. They get bigger, badder, and nastier, and they come back to bite you. And that's what that's what's happening in America. This is not the the, the peak of that. This is not the full implosion. Uh, but if we don't do something to rectify it, it's coming. And I'll be clear, I don't think Joe Biden is the person to help us rectify that. I don't. He, he's too political. He's too much of a, a politician. Um, you know, it, it's a lot of uh, back to what we know as traditional politics, which is a break from the Trump thing, which is, I think, one reason why people um, voted for him in the first place. It's going to be very, very interesting to see what he gets done in his in his first term or at least the first two years of his first term, uh, seeing how they have uh, full control of the Senate and the House. So it'll be interesting to to see how he delivers on his promises. 
that were they're made on the, the campaign trail. But I don't know if he's a strong enough leader or has enough of a backbone to say this is the root of the issue. And if we don't fix the root of the issue uh, and start to address it directly uh, and then eventually work on it directly, we're never going to get anywhere. I don't know if he's the guy for that. I don't I don't think he is. Even when he came out and, and quote unquote called out Trump yesterday about uh, addressing people coming live on TV and addressing people. I mean, it was kind of weak. It's kind of it was kind of a snooze fest. <laughs> I I feel like um I feel like we we entered into a boxing ring, right? And you have the Democrats over here and you have the the Republicans over here, right? And everybody's got their headgear on and their boxing gloves and everybody's been boxing, you know. Uh, Bush boxing, Clinton or boxing, Bush again, Clinton, you know. Uh, Obama boxing a little bit, a little little jazzier style, but still boxing. You know, a little shoulder roll here and there. And then the Republicans said, "Okay, we're taking the headgear off and we're glo- and our gloves off. This is now a street fight." And and Democrats are still boxing. They're still, you know, trying to use their techniques. And you know, this we're we're in that moment in Rocky Five where Tommy Gunn wants to fight Rocky, but they're fighting in the street. And Rocky said, okay, like, this is where I started. I used to run numbers. I used to break fingers. Like, we can we can take it to the streets. I feel like the Republicans have taken it to the streets. And I feel like the Democrats are Tommy Gunn getting the crap beat out of them. Even though they win, they, you know, won the election, won the, you know, they're, they're, they're winning. But I feel like they're, they're still fighting the wrong fight. We're in a street fight now. The gloves got to come off a little bit. You have to call these people out. You hear the way Rudy Giuliani is talking? Are you hearing the way some of these Republican senators are talking? Are you hearing this? Yo, they, they, they're not playing. They're talking about sending you guys to jail for things you didn't even do. While they're committing fraud, while they're committing treason, while they're in, inciting riots, right? Sedition. It's incredible. That's all I'll say. It's incredible. And uh, I don't know if the Democrats have the backbone to take on this fight. I just don't. So do I see Joe Biden as this uh, wonderful God sent solution from heaven to, to, to no, 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 no. I think I think Joe is going Joe. <laughs> I think he's going to be a political politician. I think he'll be able to to obviously address things with a different approach than Trump. I think that some people will feel uh, more calm under his leadership. But I, I also think that, you know, he's not going to do enough. And people are going to always see that he doesn't do enough. I think he's going to be very soft handed in some of his approaches to what we need as a as a country and a community. Uh, and I just don't I just don't see that being the answer. So uh, feel free to agree with me or disagree with me. Doesn't really matter to me. I'll see you guys in the YouTube comments, on Twitter, on Instagram. I uh, appreciate you guys tuning in to episode 59. Next will be episode 60. I love just the way that that sounds. So uh, I appreciate you guys tuning in to the In My Own Words podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to subscribe. If you're listening to this on Spotify and Apple Music, make sure you subscribe and share it with a friend. Share it with a friend that maybe this conversation has been difficult for you to have with them. And hopefully I said something that would help clear the water or lay a platform for you guys to stand on and have this dialogue. So uh, I'll see you guys next time. Peace.